if I were sitting where you are sitting right now and waiting to hear what Julie's going to say, I might be expecting an evangelistic talk. Julie is, after all, known as the head of evangelism. Thank you for the snigger. <clears throat> I would, however, be wrong. Because in our changing world, it seems to me that evangelism isn't something that happens so much at meetings and events anymore, but something that should be happening out there through relationships between us. But if that's the case, then that means that each of us has the responsibility to evangelise, to share the good news with our friends and family. How on earth do we do that? Well, I am going to talk about evangelism, obviously, but mainly I want to talk about fear. How does fear affect personal evangelism? Can we really be fearless in sharing our faith? Or is it something we've just got to kind of live with? The American president, Franklin D. Roosevelt, once said, Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. What did he mean? Why should we be afraid of fear alone? Well, I think fear can sometimes stop us doing the good things that we should do because it paralyzes us. We're afraid we will look stupid if we try and tell someone about our faith. So we keep quiet. We're afraid we'll be inadequate for the job. So we expect someone else to do it for us. We're afraid that people won't like us anymore. So we pretend about who we really are. We're afraid of rejection. We don't risk it. I want to look at a couple of verses in the Bible together, and and I want to suggest three ways to overcome that fear. It's in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And that says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So, three keys to overcoming fear in evangelism. Number one, make Christ the centre of your life. One of the themes of this letter is suffering for being a Christian. It seems that um, they were being uh, victims of slander and ridicule because of their faith. And Peter urges them and us in that situation to make Christ central. We may not be experiencing these things at the moment, but maybe fear of it happening, if we share our faith, paralyzes us. I suppose the truth is that we could face ridicule and rejection, or even worse, but really knowing who he is and how much he loves us should rid the the fear of its power over us. It seems that a positive antidote to fear is to give Christ the central place that he deserves in our life, reigning as Lord in our hearts. Evangelism is about him, isn't it? We can't evangelise if we don't know him as Lord. It's an empty message without him. 
So, to overcome fear, we need to put him at the centre of our lives. We need to live authentic, joined-up Christian lives. Not two separate lives. One life here in church with our friends, and another completely separate life out there. Having Christ as the centre and as our Lord means he affects every area of our life in school, in work, at home, in church. He calls us to be Christians all the time, not just when it's convenient. Now, I know that I have been guilty of letting fear cause me to live as two separate people. The one faithful, every Sunday in church, going through the motions kind of Christian. And the other one at work, a completely different person, more like a secret agent Christian. Hardly anybody knew the most important thing about me, that I'm a Christian. Occasionally it would leak out if I was pushed into a corner and I was feeling particularly brave. But most of the time people just thought I was kind of nice. So has anything changed for me? Well, have I overcome fear? I think it would be fair to say that in the last year, everyone at work now knows that I love Jesus. And I have been on the most exciting journey in the last year. God has been fantastic, as usual, and has uh, revealed each step along the way for me. Because if I knew last November what I know now, I would have been paralysed by fear. So how has the change come about? Well, firstly, God quite clearly asked me to put Christ at the centre of my life. It's been about, and it continues to be about, my relationship with him. Affecting my thoughts and my actions. And deciding to do this has changed everything for me. Not least my ability to tell my friends and families about him. Well, because I love him more and more, and I just can't keep quiet about it anymore. Fear seems to have lost its power over me. How have I made him central? Well, it seems to be, to me, about making a daily choice to let him into every aspect of my life. I have to decide whether I'm going to prioritise spending time with him, praying and reading the Bible, Will I choose to know him in my daily tasks? Will I remind myself about him being with me every minute of the day? Now, I don't want any of you to get the idea that I've got this all sorted, that I'm some kind of super spiritual person, because I'm not. In fact, I'm realising more and more that I'm a work in progress. But I'm realising that I have to make a daily choice to make him central or to push him to the edge of my life. Now that brings me to the next bit of the verse, which, and the second key to overcoming fear, which is, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Maybe being prepared could help us overcome fear. Overcome the fear of looking stupid, or being inadequate for the task. Maybe we should think about it beforehand, and expect to be asked. 
I suppose the trouble with that verse is that sometimes you might say, well, nobody ever asks me, so I don't have to say anything. Or maybe you just don't expect anyone to ask you, and then when they do, you're all taken by surprise. Maybe people don't ask because they don't know you're a Christian. Or if they do know you're a Christian, they can't see the reality of it in your life, affecting how you live. Maybe Christ can't, uh, people can't see Christ at the centre of our lives because we pushed him to the edge. Now, I think that was true for me. But honestly, since I've put him at the centre of my life, people have noticed, and they are always asking me to explain myself. Funnily enough, my fear of being rejected and ridiculed hasn't come to, her, to pass. People still seem to like me and respect me. They just kind of know the real me now. If people can't see that we have a hope, if they can't see that our faith affects our life, they're not going to be interested. But if they can see that our faith affects everything about us, and seems to work even in the hard times, people will be interested to find out more. We've got to be willing then and able to give an answer when they ask. But, I hear you say, I'm afraid because I don't know all those answers to those difficult questions that they're going to ask me. I might get it wrong or I might mess it up. Well, we need to stop worrying about this because God knows the answers, we don't. The verse says, give a reason for the hope that you have. It doesn't say, give a three-point sermon based on a big, thick book of Christian apologetics that you've read and understood. Just tell people how knowing Jesus affects your life, how he loves you and how you know it how he helps you, giving your daily life purpose and meaning, how he's changed you, what he's doing in your life right now. Now, unless Christ really is the centre of your life, you might find that difficult. If you do these things, if you tell them about those things, you will get the opportunity to share the whole gospel with them over time and you need to be prepared to do that. The next bit of the verse says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. And that brings me to my third point. Behave well. Sometimes we're afraid of sharing our faith with our friends and our family because we know that our actions don't match with our words. Maybe if we really had a clear conscience, we'd be much bolder. We know that when we pin our colours to the mast about following Jesus, people start to watch us really closely. How do we behave? Do our words and actions match up? Is the reality of Christ in our lives, changing us. When I was a new Christian, my father 
used to take great delight in watching my slip-ups and then pointing them out to me by saying, now that wasn't a very Christian thing to do now, was it, Julie? And of course, he was right in a way. My behaviour doesn't always keep in line with what God would want for me. In another way, he'd misunderstood what being a Christian is about. We're forgiven, and the gospel's all about grace, isn't it? Does that mean I can behave as I want? Well, no, actually. God promises to transform us if we'll let him. He calls us to live radically different lives in front of the world out there, to keep a clear conscience. The gradual change in our behaviour should speak volumes to those out there. We should be willing to apologise when we do things wrong, not just to God, but to the people we've wronged and to the people who've noticed. Saying sorry and meaning it is a rare thing in our culture. And doing this shows our genuine desire to be living transformed lives. Did I apologise enough to my dad? Well, probably not. Has he noticed the change in me? Well, in recent times, I'd say yes, he has. And you know what? That sparked a new interest in him about what it means for me to live as a Christian. I'm praying that he will one day know what grace really is. What about the gentleness and respect bit of giving an answer? I have to say, sometimes it seems to me that Christians think sharing our faith is about winning some kind of theological argument with our friends. It's not about winning an argument. It's about listening to the real questions that they're asking and lovingly, gently and respectfully giving them the answers. Don't be like the teenage Julie who used to tell all and sundry they were off to hell, whether they liked it or not, and whether they'd asked me or not. I managed quite successfully to alienate quite a few of my friends. The effect was they stopped listening to me about God's love. Now, obviously, the reality was and is probably still the case. They are on the way to hell without Jesus. But kind of the way I said it, wasn't quite right. Behave well, and people will want to listen. So, if we're going to be able to share our faith without fear, how do we do that? By making Christ the centre of our lives, by being prepared to give an answer, and by behaving well. We need to choose to let our worship here tonight change us tomorrow out there. Don't stop worshipping when you leave the building. I love the way the message puts it in Romans chapter 12, the first couple of verses. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And let's pray for each other in this. And we'll be doing that in a little while. 
Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, Pray also for me, that when I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. If we begin to open our mouths, God promises to be with us, to give us the words. The more we exercise the choice to say something, the easier and the more natural it becomes. Fear lessens every time we take the plunge. Believe me, I know that's true. One last thing. Is it really worth facing the fear and overcoming it? Well, yes, it is. As I stood in the water with Amanda this morning, I knew that it had been worth it. All any of us did was play the part God wanted us to play in her life. I am so glad that Catherine Shamali talked to Amanda and invited her to Toy Library. I am so glad that I took the time to find out the really significant thing about her, that she was searching for the truth. I'm really glad that I had the courage to to suggest that she came here on a Sunday morning. I'm really glad that I asked her if she wanted to do a Christianity Explored course with me. And I'm glad that I was able to run it, even though I don't know all the answers. I wasn't afraid of looking stupid or not being up to the job. And I'm really glad that I realised God was at work and he just wanted me to do my part in helping her along the journey. Overcoming the fear and taking a few risks was rewarded big time for me this morning. The joy of being involved in her transforming life is huge. So, are you fearful? Or is fear losing its power over you?